today I want to do a R-rated review of the movie It Chapter 2. And I got to say, it was off the chain crazy. From the get-go, the movie had me hooked. I mean, talk about shock value. The first thing they start the movie off is with one of the most gruesome hate crime scenes you'll see in film. If you are a part of the LGBTQ or a supporter of that community, it hurts to watch, man. Like, it's one thing to see a hate crime on the news. Another thing when it's literally broadcasted to you. Because I'm not even a fan of World Star Fights. I never was one of, like, seeing conflict on TV like that. I mean, if it's an official boxing match or, like, a UFC fight, I'll watch people beat the living shit out of each other any day of the week, of course. But when it's just people acting dumb and doing unnecessary fighting, it's just too much. Like, I don't need to see that. So in a film, my gosh, they made that scene incredible. Because the beginning of the movie starts off with this uh, gay couple. You think just there's guys hanging out going to a carnival in Derry, Derry Maine. And, uh, and then you find out that they're a romantic couple. And then, you know, whatever. It doesn't bother me, whatever. But apparently it bothers this group of ruffians. Because, you know, if you've ever been to Maine, it's still pretty backwards up there. Like, some small towns are progressive, for sure, but the majority of Maine, I swear to God, I think people in Maine think they're rednecks. Like, you are not in the South. You are up north as possible. Canada's right there. Like, where is this reality set that you're in the East Coast? I don't get it. Like, it's a whole different universe over there. People there are just wilding. Probably because all the drugs. Not that I'm throwing shade in Maine, but let's be serious. <laughs> Anywho, yo, shit was wild because... This guy's boyfriend gets the living shit beat out of him. They just fuck this guy up bad. And he's just talking shit. I got to give him credit. For a guy who is getting beat to a living shit to death, he's just smack talking all the way through. He's not giving these guys the satisfaction of, you know, being feared. Because he's probably seen some shit in his life. Because apparently these guys are from the city. They just came to visit for a carnival for the weekend, family visit. So they beat up the other guy. And... He let him li- li- live, but the one they killed is the one that was kind of egging them on in a way. But yo, you know what? If you're just defending yourself, I don't even want to say you're egging it on. You're just trying to stand your ground as a person. You're not trying to let somebody, you know, intimidate you. But at the end of the day, he got killed. They tossed him over the bridge. And uh, he wasn't just quite dead, but he was definitely in a rage of water and, like, moving up and forth. And... Wow, man, that riverbank, you see an arm reach for you. Finally, some salvation so I can survive. No, it's freaking Pennywise. That crazy-ass clown is back. Now, this movie was something different because the initial fear from watching the first one is not there anymore because you already know what to expect from Pennywise. You already know going in that, okay, this is what I'm going to get. It's not like, you know... Going in blinded, but the first it's always the first one, it's always like a horror film. I felt the same way with Godzilla, almost like a Jaws effect. You don't know what the monster looks like, they don't really allude to it to the very end. Man, this movie from the get go, you see Pennywise, so it's more of a action horror than a trip, a typical horror film. Because the main protagonist, who are the Losers Club, is literally, I mean, they're physically 20 years or 27 years older, but they're literally so evolved from the first movie as far as they no longer fear 
their Pennywise beast for themselves, for the sake of them, because they're adults. They've seen some shit in their life. They've gone through things and survived. It's more the fear of others. The main thing about this one is these are adults who are of parents' age who don't want to see kids go through the same trauma and turmoil or death that their family and friends have gone through. So, you know, Losers Club is pretty much, uh, they are more, I don't want to say dealing with PTSD, but definitely PTSD, the traumas of uh, dealing with this. But it's funny enough, in the beginning, mostly none of them remember what anything from their childhood because they moved away from said town. And in doing so, it seems that the... Uh, the effect of defeating Pennywise the first time, it makes it uh, that you kind of forget who he was. But he's not dead. He's back. It's been 27 years. It is time for him to run amok once again in this small-ass town in Maine. And my gosh, it's all... I don't want to like to play the blame game, but I'm going to just say it. Mike Hanlon, the uh, only black member of the Losers Club was the only guy that stayed in town while everyone else moved away, started their life elsewhere, didn't want to see their hometown. A lot of them became highly successful. You got one that became a stand-up comedian, talk show host. One became like a financial advisor. You know, they all have careers doing well for themselves. And the only one really is doing a regular job is Mike, who stayed, which is fine. You know, he was there helping his, I think his grandparents and their business. So he wasn't, he had no big dreams or aspirations. But my gosh, because he stayed there, he became the craziest, kookiest, like, hermit-like shut-in. Pretty much living, and I mean physically living, in the abandoned library. Almost trying to find a way to completely defeat the Pennywise curse, or whatever you want to call it. And the film has a real, like, easy way of describing what Pennywise is. Obviously, in the first film. Towards the end, you physically see that he's some sort of like strange monster like alien creature. And this movie, they show in the history books and also in uh, Native American folklore what Pennywise is. He's the epitome, physical representation, manifestation of fear, almost like a parasite, where it feeds off your fear to survive. Ergo, no fear, it dies. And its true form is very similar to what we saw in the first film, just a little less polished, more rough-looking, and more like a shadow creature. But the whole flick was hilarious. I was laughing through half the film, and the other half I was, like, bracing for shock. Now, I hate jump scares because they're cheap pops to get in films, but you know what? They work. And I was there with my date that night, and my gosh, let me tell you, the whole time... She was holding on for dear life because this movie definitely got people shaking the theaters. And if it wasn't for those brief sense of humor, it would have been a crazy horror film. But because there was so much humor ingrained in between scenes, the levity just really helped, uh, I guess, make the movie not drag. Because this movie was three hours long, people. Three hours long. I did not go into this thinking it was going to be three hours long. Two and a half is whatever. But three? You're talking about Avengers length and i had no clue i went at a late show i got home almost at two something in the morning like if i was going out to the 
if I was going out late, I didn't go out with intention of going out to sleep, but my gosh, had I known beforehand, I would have been like, let me just DVR this later on when it comes on TV or something. But no, I had to see it. And seeing it on premiere weekend is always fun because thankfully nobody dressed up as clowns, but there was people with balloons there and uh, freaking Georgie jackets, the rain, banana yellow rain jacket you see in the damn uh, the Gordon's Fisherman <laughs> box in the seafood section. So yeah, you got a pretty much messed up cast here of all the losers growing up. And uh, how do they grow up? Let's see. We got Eddie grew up to be the most hysterical version of himself. He was literally himself as an adult. Just this anxiety-filled, neurotic, whiny kid as an adult. No different. And the guy that plays him, James Ransom, this guy's hilarious. Like he, I don't know where they got him from. Because I, I really had never seen him in any roles before this. He was pretty spot on. Like the identical uh, role that the kid was. And the kid that played uh, Stanley Uris. Uh, let's see. Andy Bean. Sorry, I'm just over about IMDb here. What role did he play this film? I'm trying to figure out what his character was. Was he the... Oh, he was the guy that... Came, yeah. So one of the losers in the beginning of the film... Spoiler alert, but then again, we all know this is whole, all a spoiler alert for the whole audience at this point. If you haven't seen it, then I don't know why you're looking at my reviews. I clearly say my reviews are spoiler reviews. I never say they're not on spoiler reviews. So anyways, Stanley dies. He commits suicide, but he leaves a note. The note isn't read until later on in the film. And let's see, whoever is playing the role of... Uh, Let's see. Isaiah Mustafa plays Mike Hamlin, a.k.a. the Old Spice guy. He did such a good job of portraying this character without being too over-the-top, you know, Doc Brownish or, you know, end-of-the-worldish. Like, he was there as a paranoid, desperate person trying to make clothes all loose ends without over-delivering. Because it's so easy to be, get caught up in this, like, Charlie Day-like, you know, hysteria. And his character portrayal was definitely spot on to how someone who's an adult has dealt with such trauma. Like, how are you going to convince adults as a child that you were getting attacked by a crazed clown that was eating kids? Like, it just, it's, it's not, no one's going to believe you. It's ridiculous. Let's see. And as uh, far as... What's his name? Dr. Xavier. Ah, oh, forget his name. James McAvoy, who plays Bill. Bill, Bill, Bill. Poor Bill. His brother Georgie was killed and he feels responsible. As an adult, he still feels guilt and responsibility for it. And that's how Pennywise fucks with his mind. Pennywise messes with Bill's character, Bill, so much. And the guilt trip works at first. And the haziness of it, there's a scene where it almost reminds me of like a Mysterio from Spider-Man uh, Homecoming or like from uh, Scarecrow and Batman where they just play that. It's all your fault. It's all your fault. But then he finally takes responsibility for it. Like, no, this is in the past. What happens, happens. I've already dealt with this. I am done. Because again, it's not about scaring the Losers Club anymore. These are all adults. They're not going to be as scared of the same old shit when they were kids. They're going to be more 
you got to mess with them in a more intelligent way, in a way where it's psychological warfare. And Pennywise plays that very well. Bill Skazgard does a great job of playing this twisted, I want to say scarecrow-like character, because it works. Where in the first film, it's straight up just what spooks kids. This one's more about what messes with adults' minds. And adults are afraid of a lot of things. A lot of it is skeletons in your closet. And boy, these kids filled with, I mean, adults filled with skeletons. But some of them have dealt with that. Like, we would have not known throughout this whole film that, um, let's see, who plays Finn Wolfhart is played by Bill Hader, I believe. He plays Richie. You would have never known Richie was secretly in love with Eddie's character this whole time. I guess he was a closeted homosexual, and he had deep feelings for young Eddie. That's why he was always at his side, helping him out, because they really had a connection. Well, he had a connection, I should say, that was a bit more. But obviously, growing up in a rural town, in the middle of nowhere, there's going to be a lot of you know, bullying and hate crime-ish situations. And... um. You had to hide your feelings because you're a kid. But even as an adult, I guess he wasn't yet evolved. Out of all the Losers Club, he was the only one that still kept that immaturity of himself. Like, he didn't really mature much. He knew how to turn his life around and become successful, that's for sure. But he's the one who definitely had a lot of growing up to do. And throughout the whole film, you feel that his character is very much identical and it's funny because it suits him in his, in his career because he's a comedian. He becomes a stand-up comedian in the film. And stand-up comedians are always known to deal with trauma. So humor is a great enabler of converting trauma into laughter because that's how some people... That's why you sometimes will see people will crack jokes, whether at funerals or people just deal with depression and anxiety and other issues through humor because it's easier to just laugh off big things and play play down to what they are than having to deal for them. You know, I don't want to get all psychological on this. This is not a psychological podcast. This is a movie review podcast. But pretty much, humor is a very normal um, result dealing with childhood trauma and things of your past. So, to a young... Ooh, let's see, to a young Richie growing up, he became your typical stand-up comic. So it was very much a play on that. And he was pretty funny. And the whole movie built, I mean, still a hater. When is he not funny? Was there some bits of overacting? I mean, yes. To be honest, these guys, there was moments where there was really great acting by Jessica Chastain, McAvee, and Isaiah Mustafa. But then the other three characters more on the levity side. Bill Hader, uh, the guy that plays Eddie, James Ransom. Um, and, you know, these guys are more of the, whatchamacallit, the uh, comic relief. Yeah, they were pretty much comic relief throughout the whole film. Again, the m- film had a balance of both being hilarious and scary. And I don't know if that was intentional, but it definitely felt like it was. Now, I've asked around people who watched the film and their personal opinions. A lot of people actually hated this film. 
and I can see why because the first film was a straight up horror movie. Yeah, there was a couple of jokes in the beginning of the film, but that's because they're children and it makes sense. But when you expect this to be the final chapter of some big saga series, you don't expect this much humor because there were cracking jokes that were on par to like Deadpool. Like there was a scene where Eddie gets projectile vomited on by a premonition of some sort of vision of a dead man. I guess he used to be a, a person in his life. Some, I think he was like a repair guy. This mom used to get hit on him by whatever. And once he showed Pennywise he wasn't afraid of this guy anymore, the monster just projectile vomited on some alien versus predator shit. Like, and then some old 70s, 80s song that I think literally was in the first Deadpool movie popped up. And that was the first thing that came to mind. It's like they really took a cue from Deadpool with this guy. Because the whole movie, Eddie is just a giant pussy. Like he has no backbone. He's the only one afraid of dying. But funny enough, in the end of the movie, he redeems himself. Eddie becomes a hero towards the end of the film. But I'm not going to get there just yet. Um, James McAvoy. I mean, what what can't James McAvoy do? His role in movies have always been leading star, leading man roles. I mean, even in, uh, what was that movie? Narnia. He was a, you know, supporting cast member, but he was really good in what he was. That goat man thing, I forget what they're called. It's not a, it's not a, uh, well, you know what I'm talking about. He, his character then was good. But ever since he wanted, he's taken the leading man role seriously. And he's really evolved with the leading man role because it's so easy to become a parody yourself and kind of do the same role over and over again. But in every role, he's a leading character. I like that he's not the same character that he's actually showing, like especially with freaking uh, Glass and... um Jesus Christ. What was before Glass? Um, can I forget the movie before Glass? How the hell can I forget that shit? Glass, Glass, Glass. Man, this is what it, it is. Wow, it just escaped my mind. I can't believe it escaped my mind. I know Unbreakable was the first one. What the fuck was the name of the second flick? Now, now I'm pissed off. Hold on a second. Unbreakable. Split. There we go. Split. He should have gotten a damn Oscar win for that. 23 different personalities. Some didn't even make it to the screen because they cut out for editing reasons. Could you imagine playing 23 different roles in one damn movie? I don't think there's many actors that can do that besides them. Besides, you know, select few. But it's pretty crazy to think that, you know, in Split, he's played so many damn roles. And in this movie, he really landed the role of, uh, of, uh, and I got to stop jumping back on a second. Do, do, do. Bear with me because I don't have a production crew. I'm just a guy with a laptop and a microphone. Uh, well, his role, his character, um, in the first film was a stuttering child. In this film, he was more eloquent. He was an author. He's working on a movie that of his book can converted. And you can see his character had a really huge character change until he went back to Derry. And those old memories came back and the stuttering and fear came back into his voice and the way he projected when he spoke. 
And it's funny because towards the end of the movie, he finally gets a grip on life again. He's like, listen, I cannot be that kid anymore. I'm an adult. I got to protect these kids in these towns. And he plays the hero role to the, to the queue. He doesn't care for his own life. He's the first one jumping in, you know, brave with no fear. And because of him, everyone else gets courage, even Eddie. And they all face Pennywise for the second time once again. And when they face Pennywise, it almost goes the same as his first time. But, plot twist, they get Eddie. Eddie gets cocky and he dies. And this has Richie go nuts because he was there trying to defend Eddie from getting killed. But in reverse, Eddie helped him get survive and he just couldn't bear with the fact of leaving his, you know, his first true love and best friend to go. And throughout the whole movie, these guys are protecting the kids, the local kids. One of them lives in, uh, in, uh, in, uh, what's his name? In, uh, <laughs> bear with me, would you? In, uh, not Eddie, not, not Stanley. Uh, no. Oh man, I got a lot of in track. Yeah, in Bill's house. In Bill's house, there's a little kid who's very reminiscent of him when he was a child. Throughout the whole movie, he's trying to protect this kid from getting killed for nothing because a kid ends up getting killed. A few kids end up getting killed on screen. This is some graphic shit to see little kids, innocent children, getting torn to pieces by like, like alien alien style which is crazy the blood splatter the gore is just a bit much the whole movie was a bit much even the dream sequences were trippy as hell if you didn't have nightmares after this then you got you got a twisted mindset but all in all i'm gonna sh- cut this short if chapter two was definitely a much watch but is it a double watch i doubt it i watched it once i'm done whereas the first one i could watch it over and over again because there was so much character development this is more of a let's conclude the story and end the monster. Let's kill this, slay the monster. That was the move, premise of this movie, slaying the monster. It wasn't about the characters so much because we got so much of the story in the first film. It's more about completing the arc and closing it up with a, you know, with a, with a present, with a bow. And they did a great job doing that. The characters all got redeemed. None of these kids left adults now left with regret except for you know letting eddie die but there's always any casualties in war and it was eddie's own i don't want to say ego but his own bravery that saved the rest of the losers club because when richie saw the lights those stupid lights that uh pop up to distract the it's almost like a cobra like it's the distractors before he strikes or pennywise does that um which is a funny scene because Bill Hader sees the lights and he makes the most stupidest face. I swear to God, it's hilarious. It just kind of took me out of the scene to be 100% honest because it was too dumb. It's one thing to feel, make a face like you're hypnotized. Another thing, just look like you're just like freaking brain dead and just like, oh, come on, man. You make the goofiest face right now. But in chapter two, I, after two or three weeks, I gave this time to simmer. I did not want to review it right when I saw it because... It was such a large movie. There was a lot to digest. Watchability, I give it a four out of five. Repeat of uh, watchability, I give it a three out of five. And as far as 
Did I like the film? Four to five. So all in all, I give this movie a, let's say a 3.5 out of five stars, which is not bad. It's not bad at all. It's actually one of the most, like, uh, I guess you can say fair reviews because I'm looking at IMDb and they gave it a 7 out of 10. That sounds about right. Chapter 2 was not as good as the first one. And the first one was really great because it was unique take on something that was already done 20, 30 years plus ago with uh, Tim Curry. And um, I think it's an admirable score. I mean, Metacritic gave it a 70. So yeah, it's on average, it's, it's a good flick. I mean, horror movies never get scored out anyways like that. A lot of them don't, unless you're like Jaws or something. But it was a great movie to watch. If you're going to watch in theaters, go to the bathroom right before the movie starts because you're going to be in for a long haul. Was I scared to it? Nah. I don't scare easily with horror films anymore. I used to. Only kind of horror films that make me jump are one based on reality, like movies that involve the ocean with sharks and stuff. Like That's not fake stuff. That is real life. If there's sharks in the water, they're going to eat you. I don't understand how people purposely swim with sharks in the ocean. I think they got a death wish, but that's just my opinion. I don't know. Anyways, movie was lit. Watch it. If you don't like, watch it. That's fine. But if you're a true horror fan, give this one a watch. It is fun, exciting. Is it a good movie with buddies? Yes. Date night? Yes. All of it. End of the day, it's chapter two. It delivered. It served its purpose. Was it a masterpiece? And no. Will it win any Academy Awards? Probably not. But did it get people buzzing for a while? And it hasn't left the chats either so people really like this film well thank you very much for listening to this podcast review i think it might be shorter than my usual ones but i didn't want to spend hours discussing this movie's three hours long there's a lot that i left out there's a lot that i didn't discuss but that's on purpose so you can watch the film i just gave you like a quick summary of, of it essentially there was a lot of in-between stuff but to actually describe all that i might as well just watch the movie Anyways, everyone who's here listening to this, hope you enjoyed this review. It was a pretty fair review. I wanted to give the movie a higher score, but again, I gave this three weekends to simmer in my brain and really let myself give an unbiased opinion. Because whenever I leave a movie theater, I always think the movie's better than it actually is until like a couple weeks later where I really let it sit and let the details really enthrall and like, you know. I'm like, all right, do I really want to give this movie five stars? No. You know, like, you got to give your time, self time to really think through because the excitement and joy of something versus how good a flick is is two different things. And I know I, for one, I love terrible movies, but I love terrible movies for what they are, fun times. But this, as far as story was, narrative, it was decently good. It had a very simple story with complicated characters. And a lot of complicated, dark scenery. If you're not a fan of extreme violence and trauma and turmoil, man, Stephen King's book delivers for sure. And whoever directed this film definitely deserves the credit for delivering. Because it could have easily been a giant shit show, and it wasn't. Thank you all for listening to my podcast. This is uh, Joel signing out. Peace out. Enjoy your weekend.